1: Social, then you rather shall be twisted. If it's social, then you rather could be leading it. You get it now when people say it's so serious. Because you're social, you're a leader, and you're
0: serious.
1: Now, Carrie Kerpen. So when I asked Ronnie Tucker, who leads the marketing and communications department at New York Roadrunners, about her career path. She gave me quite a journey. It was a journey that was kind of like a marathon, lots and lots of different stops and directions along the way. And the path led her to exactly where she should be. Take a listen as to how New York Roadrunners uses social media and how Ronnie found the perfect position for her. Welcome, Ronnie, to the show. Hi, Carrie. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. I'm so excited to have you. And I'm going to start this podcast the same way I start with all of the incredible women I've interviewed. Ronnie, tell me the story of your career.
2: Okay. Um, well, I have always loved marketing. And probably even when I didn't realize that marketing could be a career or what marketing was, there was always um, this thing about really understanding um, what drives consumer behavior and, um, and and how you can influence consumer behavior. So um, I've always loved that idea about marketing. So I started in marketing... Uh, Really in sports marketing at IMG years ago, and um, was moved, was there for a, a short while. You know, was a, was an assistant um, like a secretary there, mm. and I worked with some folks there who moved into another organization which at the time was called Sports Partners, and someone that I worked with at IMG, he moved over there and I had built a good relationship with him there. And um, he recruited me over there, which was terrific. Um, And I had been promoted at IMG. I was an account exec at IMG um, before I moved over into Sports Partners. And there I had tremendous opportunity in the world of sports marketing, Um, and I was working, I had the opportunity there to work on IBM's Global Tennis and Golf sponsorships, if you will, and I worked on that from a more of an execution standpoint into more of a strategic standpoint over the course of seven years there, and I had major, major growth opportunities in my career there. And... Um, you know, starting from just, you know, going on site to events and, you know, being, you know, helping helping activate, working with the local IBM offices to really like helping to build IBM's um, sports strategy. But one of the things that I really learned during that time frame was working with folks. I was responsible for directing a lot of people on on you know working with the local markets and helping them out at the tennis tournaments and activating their sponsorships. And I realized um, I was given a lot of responsibility. And I was traveling by myself at you know at at a pretty young age in my 20s. I was I was traveling by myself, and I was given a lot of responsibility, and I had a lot of professional growth and development, um, and and independence, and realized that. A lot of people that were in senior positions at IBM really um, you know really were looking for support in this particular area, even if they were a vice president, they didn't really know what to do when it came to you know being at a tennis tournament and, and being on court, and they really were looking for a lot of guidance. and that gave me a lot of confidence in myself and provided me with a lot of Great personal and professional development during that time frame, um, and and I was I was promoted a number of times during that time frame, and I worked on a lot of other um, opportunities there in that organization. So that was a great um, a great you know learning and people recognizing my abilities and moving me along within the organization. I um I and I grew from you know being an account exec to an account manager to Um, you know, accountant supervisor and vice president. And I had a lot of development in those seven years. So that was really fun and exciting. And then coming out of that, I realized I'm like, okay, I'm learning a lot about sports marketing, but I really wanted to get a more broader marketing um, experience Mm -hmm. and, you know, what what would be like the next step to really try to broaden my, um, you know, marketing experience so that I wasn't just locked into the uh, sports marketing. And so I worked then with – I moved to the agency – another agency called uh, Tracy Locke, and I worked on Pepsi's business. And I had – and I was, you know, working with obviously, you know, all these brilliant people at Pepsi. And I was running the Pepsi Customer Marketing and Channel Strategy Business. So I was learning a whole different side of the business, more of a retail business and customer marketing business. And that was really good experience for a couple of years there. And um and what that enabled me to do was I, I was recruited out of there to InBev, um, which was Labatt USA at the time. Mm. And when I went there, I was able to take the learnings that I had from, um, you know, from the Tracy Locke agency working on Pepsi. And I went there and I helped, I helped build out a customer marketing capability in that organization, which did not exist. So I worked really closely with the sales team, and we built the customer marketing capability at what was then Labatt USA. And so that was a fantastic opportunity. And, you know, I was also, because of my sports marketing background, I also was able to work with the global CEO of inbev on on a global sports marketing strategy for the organization. so I had that opportunity there too. And so I, I was able to also, so that was the second point in my career where I was there for about seven years, and I had a tremendous opportunity internally there. So I was started the customer marketing team that I moved into the you know director of of field marketing. and I worked with you know people across the organization. i had um I had folks that were actually, Directly reporting into me, I reported into marketing, national marketing, but had folks that were housed in the four offices, and they were dotted line into our sales vice presidents. But they reported into me, and our job was to translate national brand strategy and understand um, the local retail, local market insights, and and create you know marketing campaigns locally there. So it was very interesting because you had to learn how to work in a mate it was a matrix organization so you really had to learn how to how to you know work closely with the national brand but also you know push things out into the local market. So that was a great opportunity. And then I was able to um you know I was promoted, you know, during those time frames, lucky fortunately, and um and I moved into brand marketing. And that's when I was like, oh my God, this is what I love to do. I love <laughs> <laughs> And I found the thing I love, right? I love understanding brands you know like falling in love with your brand, really understanding all the little nuances um, that make your brand different and special and unique and the things that you know um, that consumers connect with on a brand and so Rolling rock was the first brand that I worked on at inbev and and I you know, had the opportunity to work on a number of other brands at InBev, um, including Labatt. And I worked on, you know, Bex and Stellartois, a number of different brands in that, in a variety of capacities there. So, but, but that's when I really, truly fell in love with, you know, brand management and, and owning a brand and understanding all those wonderful things about brands. And there was a lot of changes happening at that time. Digital was sort of, you know, coming around and we were working on, you know, websites and things like that at the time, but it was really just the infancy of digital at that point. So that was, so those two periods, I would say were super influential in my career and um, gave, you know, I was, I was worked, you know, worked for really tremendous people I had, I had great managers during those time frames who recognized my abilities and I was able to move things forward in the in the organization and, and, and achieve a lot and, and develop a lot during the time frame so so that was that was great and then um, the, and the reason I left in is was because that was at the time when um, they were going to be doing a joint venture with Anheuser busch and our offices were closing in Norwalk and Connecticut and I had the opportunity to move, but that wasn't a good time in my personal life. Um, because I, I had kids and just wasn't a good time. So I, Mm. so I ended up going and working at the USTA and, um, and working for, um, a person I was recruited there from a person that I worked with years ago when I had started at IMG and, um, and I went and I headed up all the partnership marketing at the USTA. And that was, you know, fantastic. I worked with amazing brands, um, you know, to, you know, the, 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 you know, heading up all of the partnership marketing reporting into the Chief Business Officer there, so you know having the opportunity to work on American express and you know, Chase Bank and, um, you know, Evian and IBM. And I obviously knew I had known IBM because they were my client for seven years. So that was really terrific and understanding what their strategies were to, you know, um, take a huge property like the U.S. Open and activate it against their business objectives. So that was really great there. Um, And then I went to Marketing Drive after that. I was recruited into Marketing Drive to um, head up some business there and um, you know I was involved in um, heading up their premier car business and some other new business opportunities. A great opportunity for me at that time. Um, and then, and then this is where you know sort of everything's changing, right? Shifting, everything's shifting in the world of marketing into more digital, social. You know, yeah. All of that's starting yeah. to really come out. And um, and I was recruited um to come to New York Roadrunners by the um he was the chief operating officer at the time and um, he, he found me on LinkedIn. So that is sort of, I guess my number one um, thing is make sure your LinkedIn profiles are updated because I use it all the time to recruit now. So, so as a social media channel, which is really just, you know, probably a couple of years in, but he found me there and um, and he looked at my background and my different experiences and thought that I would be a great fit to talk to about um, becoming the first VP of marketing at New York Roadrunners. So they never had had a VP of marketing at New York Roadrunners. And, um, you know, they were looking for someone to come in and build up the marketing and digital capability in the organization. So they just, they are, I mean, there was some marketing happening in different departments, but it was, Basically, everyone was doing marketing um, and there was, you know, there was some marketing services, but they wanted someone to come in and really build a function, build a capability. So I was, you know, I was honored to come in and do that. And um, the person that recruited me actually happens to be my boss. now. That's (laughs) amazing. He's he's the CEO. So, um, yeah, so it took about we had we had conversations for about six or seven months going back and forth because it was a big move for them. I wasn't looking to move. Um, things were shifting in my uh, uh, kids' lives, so the timing was really good for me to take what I knew was going to be a big job and a, and a big time commitment and, and a really, really exciting opportunity. I love running, so I had always been running in my life um, during different parts of my life, and I um, and I loved New York Roadrunners as a nonprofit organization. I loved everything that they were doing. Um, to get kids moving. Athletics, so important to my kids and their life and their development and, um, you know, making them um, confident and helping them set goals. And I knew that I wanted to, you know, and New York Roadrunners is doing that to help other kids. And I loved that. And then also, you know, I was building, I was going to get the opportunity to build a marketing department and how awesome for me as a marketer, you know, to be able to do that. So, that's my background. In, uh, That's a very, great. That is yeah. a
1: great tale. And what I love about it, I what I love, Ronnie, is that the New York Roadrunners. If, if you think about it, you you said so many things that tied to bringing that to the perfect point in your career. You talked about how you learn to fall in love with building a brand. And this is, it sounds like, you know, having the first dedicated marketing head there, you know, allows you to really build that brand and then your experience within sports marketing and all of it brings it together to get you exactly where you are today. So it sounds like such a great opportunity.
2: It is. And, um, you know, it's, I've been here five years now and, um, you know, there's been a a lot we've, we've, developed so much. And, you know, I now have a department of, you know, almost 40 people, you know, in terms of primarily full-time, but we also have some part-time folks and have really built out the department and have, you know, five functional areas, um, you know, that are, you know, are, are headed by directors with the exception of one, it's headed by a senior manager, but I've got our, you know, we've got a digital and social group, a good digital and social team. I've got a consumer brand and fiber team. I have a marathon and weekly race team. I've wow. got a marketing strategy and operations and creative services team, and then a community marketing team. So I've really built out the team here and, um, you know, and, and there's still, there's still so much opportunity for, um you know, for tremendous growth here.
1: So tell me a little bit about how you use social to get the word out about New York Roadrunners.
2: I would say that um, social is a is a key pillar of our overall marketing and communication strategy. Everything that we do, we really we really look to integrate social in. So it's it's really central. So social media, basically, it's central to our overall reputation and personality here at New York Roadrunners. We um we. Have a you know a a great social social media team here, so I'm I feel really fortunate. I've you know I've got our director of digital and social, and I've got um, you know a senior manager of social media, and she's fantastic. And we've developed a uh, we've developed a really great social media strategy. So our social media strategy um, really ties into our overall business objectives. Um, but you know, we, really one of the one of the core elements of it is that it's really helping us to achieve our global reach. Um, and it also enables us to show the impact of our programs, um, you know, on youth and community and, and, and to tell the brand story. But I think the biggest thing that social does for us, it's really helping us build a community. You touched on that earlier. I mean, social media is all about building a community and and telling stories. Um, and, and we're doing that here at New York Roadrunners. Our mission here at New York Roadrunners is to help and inspire people through running. So you know, we're using we're using social to really you know communicate that brand story. That's a really big part of it.
1: And so talk to me about which networks are working best for you in terms of generating that community excitement. And where are people talking about New York Roadrunners? And what communities are serving you best today?
2: So we're, we're across a number of channels. We're using Twitter. We're using Facebook. We're using Instagram. We're using Snapchat. Um, so you know, I would say that most of our posts are happening on Twitter. However, our highest level of engagement are on Instagram. So we have really high engagement on Instagram. So that's um, so that, and that's also one of the things that um, has shifted for us this year is that we've been focusing on engagement versus number of followers as a measure of success here at New York Roadrunners. So we're really looking at, um, you know, how we're engaging. And so Twitter is where we have a very, super high engagement. So for, with regard to those channels, uh, for for Facebook, you know, we're we have we have a, a heavy number of followers on Facebook. We're using Facebook Live a lot more, so that is something that we're using um, very very frequently now. And then Instagram, we started using Instagram Stories. You know, I think the you know the past probably really aggressively the past few months and um, and we're using it consistently and frequently and we have a super high engagement with our Instagram stories. For Twitter, we use it, obviously Twitter is for news and um, that is really effective when we have our races because people are looking at Twitter to to see, to get updates on our races. And then Snapchat um, is something that we've really started using the past year. And we're, you know, creating customized filters for our different events and something that we'll continue to look at. But I think out of, if I was going to pick one channel where I really see higher engagement, a higher usage, I would I would say it would be Instagram and, and using Instagram stories. We're creating, we're doing a lot more, you know, live video mm. and, and that's really where we're using it. So that's that's really been something. And, and obviously our, our events are, are perfect for that, um, you know, and people, you know, are, whether they're it's user-generated content, their own live video, or if we're out there and we've got our team out there on on the streets, on the events, capturing live video. But that's something that's really big for us.
1: And so tell me how you guys are measuring your success. What constitutes success for you in social media? And how do you know whether or not it's working? Is engagement the key metric? Reach? What matters to you?
2: I would say at this point, engagement is the key metric. Um, So we have, in terms of our, we have a channel strategy for social. So. If I was going to look at Facebook, um, we're really looking at driving awareness across. You know, from using Facebook to drive awareness, we're using Twitter to drive relevancy, and, and and Instagram to to drive awareness. So we certainly want to be building our number of followers, but we're really looking at capturing that engagement. Um, that's really that's really critical across the social channels. Is um, mm. you know to. To get people to engage with us and and really build and really build up our community. So the story storytelling is something we're doing a lot of. Um, you know, we have. I mean, when you think of the New York City or the TCS New York City Marathon, um, we have fifty thousand stories. And wow. Yeah. It's 50,000 runners, 50,000 stories. So just think of all that content. That's a massive amount of content. So we're really looking for the best, most compelling stories and, and share those stories. So that's part of it. That's what we're doing. But the other side of it is, you know, the user-generated content side of it. So there's a lot of user-generated content that happens. Um, and, and we want to be able to, you know, give our, our, our runners the opportunity to share their own content.
1: In terms of user-generated content, are you working with influencers to use any of that along that strategy, or are you uh, mostly just collecting and curating what you see across? Are you actively seeking user-generated content, or are you more curating what is coming towards you?
2: I would say it's a combination. So um, we are actively looking for user user generated content. So we have done some influencer programming in the past. We did some influencer programming for the mar- you know for the marathon last year and for the um, United Airlines NYC Half this year, which mm. is another one of our big events. And most recently for the Airbnb Brooklyn Half. So those three events um, we have been you know cultivating influencers. Um, if you will, and working closely with our PR team on that. I mean, I think that's a big collaboration for us. Our social media and our PR team collaborate really well in terms of our overall influencer strategy. So there's that, but then there's also the curation of user-generated content. So um, one of the things that we're going to be doing this year for the marathon is um, we're going to we have a new campaign for the TCS New York city marathon um, called it will move you. And that's, um, and it's all about really tapping into the emotional side of, you know, people um, running the marathon or, or watching the marathon. And so we're going to be doing a um, one one of the components of social components. We're going to have a hashtag moved me. So it's hashtag moved mm. me and it's going to, and it's going to enable um, consumers to tell their um, their stories of you know why they're running the marathon and what's moved them to write, to run the marathon and they'll be able to do that whether you know it's it's on across you know whatever social channel they want or if they can submit video stories so there's going to be it'll it'll be an opportunity for us to then you know Capture and curate all of that content, and you know we're still determining
1: you know how we're gonna how we're gonna push that out. So, I can't wait to see that because that sounds like a phenomenal campaign. Now, Ronnie, tell me about who so you love building brands, and you told me that in your in your fantastic career journey. In doing that, and and seeing the role that social media has played in terms of building brands, are you? finding that you're enjoying and using social media personally um, while you're using it so much professionally, right? Like it's been part of building brands and what you've been doing for a while now. Is it still something that you enjoy personally? And if so, what's your favorite network?
2: I do love using social media personally. Yay. So I do. Yes, I love it. I um, you know, I, I I participate, you know, I, I, I'm on certainly I'm on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. I think from a um, from a user perspective, I use Facebook more on the personal side, and probably Instagram to you know to share more um, on the personal side. But Twitter is definitely more professional. So whether I'm posting something on Twitter or whom I'm, I'm either you know whether I'm following runners, running news, running organizations, thought leaders, uh, you know in, in overall in business and marketing, and then also um, I'm a huge hockey person. Um, my my son plays college hockey. So we follow a lot of hockey in our house. So I, like I look at Twitter, you know, um, you know, I'm following a bunch of folks on Twitter related to hockey as well. So, and then also LinkedIn from a networking and recruiting standpoint, I'm definitely using, I'm using LinkedIn. So, um, you know, to, to network with other folks to, you know, we're, we're always looking for other potential marketing partnerships or even recruiting purposes the way I got recruited on LinkedIn. So I'm looking sometimes to, um, at potential recruiting, but I'd say if I was going to pick one, um, in terms of where I'm headed more, I probably would say Instagram. That's really the channel.
1: Instagram, I think, has been making a really strong play, especially with the new stories feature. I think it's become something that both personally and professionally has been really successful.
2: Exactly. And we're, you know, again, we're just I feel like we're just starting with Instagram stories. And there's such a big opportunity there. And I think in in sports, you know, as I mentioned, I think, you know, live streaming and video. It's the future of social media and, um, you know, and Instagram stories and, you know, Facebook live you know, they're, they're really making a play now in, in sports in general, which is what we're seeing. I mean, um, we know that the NFL is a partnership with Twitter. Um, you know, Facebook has been making a heavy push in, you know, in the live broadcasting space. And they've got, um, you know, b- you know partnerships that they've announced with sports properties. So, you know, we definitely see that playing out uh, professionally. Um, and so I and I and I do think there's obviously on the on the, you know, overall personal side, you know, there's a lot of opportunities to share video and content with, you know, with friends, family, and, and you know, business associates.
1: And Ronnie, if people hear the interview, and they're inspired uh, by your story, or by the New York Roadrunners, or all of it, where should they go to contact you?
2: Um, they could go to, um, well, I would say,
1: they might probably LinkedIn. use LinkedIn. Yeah, because yeah that's I was gonna say LinkedIn the is the best place. Yes. I know, I think,
2: I think LinkedIn is probably the best place to um, to reach out to me. I would definitely advise that. And uh, that, that's probably it. Awesome.
1: Ronnie, thank um, you so much for being on the show. You're one fabulous social lady.
2: Thank you, Carrie. I've Yay! enjoyed it. I really appreciate it.
0: You've been listening to All the Social Ladies with Carrie Kerfin, CEO of Likeable Media. You can follow Carrie on Twitter at Carrie Kerfin. To get current social media insights and great tips, sign up for Carrie's weekly newsletter by emailing newsletter at likable.com. This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media. Likeable Media produces and distributes content across the social web for mid to large size brands. Visit them at likable.com.